The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey everyone, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I am Darren Karp. And I'm Liz Cully, and Darren, yes. looking so good today. I know you're lying, and that's great. You should lie I'm not to me. Lying. You, should, you have to, but I, I was actually going to compliment you because. One, mm. be proud of me. I was on Instagram. Be proud. Oh. And I looked at that picture that you posted where you uh, mentioned like Kate Hudson photobombing your photo. Oh, one of the happiest moments of my entire... Do you oh, see how happy I look in that picture? You also, you look so happy. Two, you have hair like me in that picture, which I we had to know. talk about. And three, if if you haven't seen it, go back to at listen to Liz's uh, Instagram. It was posted on... <laughs> me and D'Angelo. Yeah, you and D'Angelo posted on Saturday, I believe, March 6th. So you can go back yeah. and look at it. But how old were you in that photo? And... You never told me you could pull off a straight bob, like, uh, better than I ever could, I gotta say. Wow. Okay. So fun fact. Yeah. That was D'Angelo's last tour. That was the, I believe, Black Messiah. Wait, let me look. Yeah. That wasn't that long ago then. No, it was like four years, four or five years ago. That's what I was going to say, maybe 2015 or something. And I had a really cool experience where I went to the concert. T'Angelo is one of my favorite artists of all time. And I went to the concert with Dominic Trenier, RIP, who is no longer with us anymore. And Dom was D'Angelo's original manager. And we got to go together. I also went with my friend, Kevin, DJ Doja, who's very close with D'Angelo. And fun story, if you look in that photo and zoom in, on my pass, you'll see that it says working. Oh, and I got Dom's pass by mistake and all of them just got VIP, but I got a working pass, which means I could go anywhere. Oh, never give Liz a working pass if you want the concert to run smoothly, people. And the backstage was insane. It was Kate Hudson, Rashida Jones, like everyone under the sun was there. Magic Johnson was there. It was so insane and we go backstage and actually dom and kevin went up to d'angelo and they're like we really want you to meet liz i mean i was freaking out you can see it in the picture he moves kate hudson rashida jones i even think amy poehler was there like everyone was there he moves them all out of the way i walk up he gives me a huge hug. You can see in my face. I, you can even right you're, now you're like see glowing. how happy you're I like, was. You're cheesing right now based off that original cheese. Well, and I went to school. I went to the new school in New York. And so a lot of the musicians I went to school with were in his band. So like Chris Daddy Daves was there. So I'm like, what up, Chris? Like, it was just this crazy moment. And the C parts of all these like A-list celebrities, he comes up to me, he hugs me. And I look at him and I was, I say the dumbest thing of all time. Uh Uh-oh, what'd you say? I look at him and I go, it's never been about your body. It's always been about the music for me. Because I know from knowing Dom that he was always really insecure that he had been turned into a sex symbol. Right. And then he was always upset about that. So then we have this huge embrace. We hug. It was amazing. And D'Angelo did a versus on Instagram a week ago, which I watched. And so I just, I had never. Who was it with? Who was was himself? He He did a versus battle that wasn't a battle? That seems. Well, I don't, I think this is public knowledge. Well, he was supposed to do it against Maxwell and then Maxwell backed out. So he ended up having friends come on. So Redman and Method Man came out. Her came out. All of these, like he kind of did D'Angelo and friends, which was amazing. I had a lot of fr- personal wow. friends that were there. 
I watched the whole thing, but I totally forgot about that picture. I don't know how, I don't know, COVID brain. And some a D'Angelo fan account tagged me and I was like, oh my God, I got to post this. I got to repost this picture. Anyway, it was a amazing night of my life. And yeah, Kate Hudson was in the back and I was like, kick rocks, <laughs> Kate Hudson, get out of my picture. You were picture. like, bye, photo bomb. God, remember concerts that... That's an awesome good memory though to have. Such like a that's fucking good concert. Yeah, and I it was still a great have the photo. working pass. I still have the working of pass. Of course, stickers. you got to keep those working passes. That's oh god, very also, important. Dom was such an amazing person and is no longer with us, and I feel so grateful to have spent that night. Like we were like, I drove everyone. I think to right. the concert. It was so weird. I don't even know. Yeah, I think in my Jetta. What a time. That's actually Liz. right. I picked everybody up in the fucking car, and we all drove to the that's concert amazing. downtown. Anyway. Well, that's wildly fun. I have no content to post, Darren. I don't fucking do anything. So I well, had to music, post archives. Music was always one of those things that like as a TV and a general nerd, which I am, uh, it, like it was always very intimidating to me. J- the industry itself, obviously not music. And I've dated two people that were in the music industry. So I got to see a lot of the inner workings of it. One was a tour manager. The other one was a tour manager. And then like a, a, a network exec and or label exec rather. And- It is, you can get the craziest people behind the scenes that you would never expect. Like, yeah, to be fans of this or whatever. And like, and the weird thing about music, I mean, obviously it was probably nice, but it's like kind of shitty backstage. Like in television, everything's like glamour and glitz. And like, we're going to lay out the red carpet for you and we'll open this and do security doors and music. It's like, here's a bucket of beer and like one pizza. And you're like, all right. And it's funny. So a series that I did when I was a producer at MySpace, I shot over a hundred episodes of a show called Five Minutes to Stage, where I would literally go and hang out with musicians as they got ready to go on stage. And then it was kind of brilliant. We did it. And then we would cut once they hit the stage so that we didn't have to worry about music licensing. Hello. Smart. I was very fortunate to shoot with everyone. Sam Smith's ev- first ever U.S concert ever at the Troubadour. It was actually not even a real concert. It was a presentation for Capitol because he just got signed. I mean, people, Little Big Town, which is like one of the biggest country acts ever. I mean, we went everywhere. The Forum, I did it in New York. I did it. I mean, you name it, we shot, we did it with Kendrick Lamar. I mean, we shot so many episodes of that. So I had this amazing experience to like be on the bus with people or be backstage. And Darren, you couldn't be more correct. It is trash back it's there. Trash. Like no, <laughs> the only cool thing I did see or people was in was in Anaheim. Well, yeah, but in Anaheim, little big town, they toured with their kids, and so they had a jumpy playhouse, like one of those jumpy houses. Yeah, backstage with them for the kids. That's fun. That's fun. And, and I and would like, be in that playhouse. And, I'm sure. Yeah, and they had like barbecue food that came in. But if you guys really want to know, like. It's literally like Doritos. It's not, it's it's not not television. It is not like it is, it is, it is bare bones. And that's also cool. Like there's also something really. What would be on your rider? Like what would be three things that you would have for a television, like before you went out as a guest on a Like if I felt very, if I was big enough or I felt comfortable asking for anything because I don't know. Or just like, what would you want? You've been backstage a bajillion times. Like what would you want in your room as you got ready? Yeah. God. I mean, you got to have iced coffee and like diet Coke for me. Like that's my caffeine (laughs) fix. No, it's got to happen. It's tough. I like a mint. You always need a mint. Pop in a mint before you go out. You got to have fresh breath. A lot of people don't care about their breath and it's 
very important, especially when you have coffee. If I were to have candy, it would be red vines. So that would that would be very key. Maybe Cheez-Its would oh be nice. God. Maybe uh, some apples. Cheez-Its, extra toasty. Don't yeah, get it a, twisted. Maybe a bowl of nuts. I mean, it's hard because there's also feels like a lot of pressure. Like I was on set on Friday for the shoot and technically, quote unquote, I'm talent for this, you know? So they're asking me like, hey, what do you want in your green room? And I'm like, can I just get like one, one iced coffee? Because I had to be there at like 7 a.m. I was like, just half and half. And they're like, you don't want anything else? And I was like, no, like I'll just eat crafty or whatever banana. They were like, oh, hey. Like they were genuinely so confused as to why I wasn't asking for the moon or whatever. And I feel uncomfortable doing that. And I don't know why. I I I don't know. Also, like I probably would feel bad not eating any of it. Like being in the in the back room. I was like, I well, want cheese. I want red. They never do. They never do. I just I think Cheez-Its are a good one. I think I would want, yeah, I think I would do probably something similar because I get nervous. Right. And you don't want to eat too much. You don't want to eat too much. So it's snacky. I think I would go gummy bears. That's a good one. Okay. Those are my red vines. Go a savory, a sweet, and a drink. That's how we should look at it. Okay. Gummy bears, Cheez-Its or table water crackers. If I'm scared, I want table water crackers. It's a good, it like calms your stomach. It's very plain. Good call but I do love Cheez-Its. But the problem with Cheez-Its is I can't stop eating them once I, know, I begin. I especially those so extra toasty ones. Cheez-Its, sponsor best. us, please. So I actually want to eat. I literally might go and get some Cheez-Its. This I is too much. I have a big Costco okay. bag in my apartment right now. Yeah, dude. Table water crackers, gummy bears, like Harib- Haribo. I think they're Haribo, but I guess they're Haribo. I don't know. And then I think I'm going to go water, but that's to be expected. No, so that's, then that's I would base. You're getting water no matter what. Give me a drink that isn't water. I think I'm going to go Diet Coke. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's, you and I are yeah, always mind melting. Same. You're always mind melting. Yeah, Before we get to the queue, because I, I, my queue has to do with entertainment. Did you watch RuPaul's on Friday? No, don't say a thing. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just saying I'm what happy we're back from that kind of throwaway episode last week where it was that COVID episode where it's like, this oh, is I, how it we, was the worst. I, it, <gasps> I Wait, I actually have something to tell you. What? I mean, I texted it to you, but I have to tell the audience. Yeah, what? Darren and I, so for those, I'm sure you guys can piece it together, oh, but Darren yes. and I, we record episodes whenever talent is ready and then we, you know, post them when we post them. I guess I'm scooping it, but who cares? We recorded, speaking of RuPaul's Drag Race, with Heidi in Closet this week, who I had seen out in the wild by the West Hollywood Dog Park. If you guys are listeners of the show, you know Darren makes fun of me about the West Hollywood Dog Park. Totally. It just is what it is. It's a scene. It's, it's a scene. It's a scene, but it's sandwiched in between the Abbey and this place called Rocco's. And we recorded with Heidi in Closet, and I was like, see you at Rocco's, girl. And she was like, no problem. Then I DM'd her, thanking her for being on the show, as Darren and I typically do with our guests. I did not get a follow back, but that's okay. Totally don't fine. Tell me, we, we, don't tell you know me what it you takes to get a follow back. If you did, I'm going to fucking kill you. Just a, a tease for the episode of what it takes to get so a follow. I wrote her, you guys, and I am not exaggerating. I will see you at Rocco's. Great to see you. The next day, Rachel and I take the dog to the, the dog park. And then Leah Delaria, is that yeah. how you say her name? Yeah. She's fucking there wearing a shirt with the F word. I don't even know if I, I don't feel that comfortable saying it. Not fuck. You mean the rhymes with Saget? That yeah. one? Okay. I don't really like that. For me, I don't feel comfortable saying it. She gets into An a English fight. English cigarette word. Is that what you're exactly. saying? Yes. Okay. She gets into a fight with this old crotchety, crotch, crotchety oh, mean guy who's, Always oh. at the dog park, he has a little shit too, and he always fucking starts shit with people. 
He's like, I don't like your fucking shirt. And she's like, fuck you. I don't like, like, does my tattoo that says butch not say that I'm a homo? And I was like, oh shit, shit's about to pop off. I say kind of hi to her, but I'm like, Rachel, should I ask her to be on scissorings and thing? And Rachel's like, you should just fucking email her and ask right. her properly. And I was like, okay, fine. So then we leave to go out and I am not kidding you. Darren, I look up and at Rocco's at the fucking gate is Heidi in closet with her boyfriend. I think I wrote to you that is the cutest meet cute of all time. And I look up and I have my mask and I put my mask on. I was like, I'm Liz. You were on scissoring yesterday. Like, hi. You are blessed and highly favored, Liz. I've anyway, always said this about you. That is of, but amazing, it though. It came. It comes full circle. I'm. I'm proud of you for doing that, and I'm proud of you for not stalking. And it happened to just be this very random coincidence in life. Very proud uh, that that Thank happened. You. Uh, do you want to get to the queue? Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> Guys, we want to welcome you to the queue where we share some highlights and happenings within the LGBTQ plus and ally community. And don't be shy, listeners. We want to hear from you too. If you've got the scoop or have someone you want us to shout out, feel free to shoot us a DM at SIAT Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. All right, Darren, I feel like you've got a, got one very prepared for us well, today. Well, uh, this one actually is coming from my mom. And I want to be fair because I haven't watched this piece yet. So I'm coming into this as a recommendation. I will watch it this week and sort okay. of report back next Sunday. But I kind of wanted to put this on people's radar, start a conversation. Maybe you guys can DM us and let us know. But there is a film that just got a documentary that just came out on HBO that my mom had watched and recommended us to watch it. It's called Welcome to Chechnya. And it's a documentary film by American reporter, author, and documentarian, David France. And it is a, it was all kind of hidden camera. This is, again, docu, not- Hidden camera. It, it Well, because it's about filming the LGBTQ Chechen refugees mm. um, using oh, hidden cameras yes. as their way I out actually, of Russia through a network yep. of safe houses aided by activists. So this yes. was being filmed as this was happening, but, you know- LGBTQ people were tortured and burned at the stake and horrible fucking things happening um, back in the day, probably still now, obviously, because Russia, et cetera. We don't need to get into it all. But anyway, this was a, uh, according to my mother, very powerful, very well done. And I'm going to watch it this week. And I just want to put on your radar. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah. we also, I think recommendations, by the way, all I ever get asked is what the hell I'm watching on TV. So who knows? This one's coming from my mom. So I like a mom reco. Love a mom um, reco. So as many of you guys know, as I just discussed, T'Angelo, who is definitely neo soul, not rap music. But for those of you guys that know anything about me, love me some rap music. Yes, we know that. But you know what I don't love is I don't love Takashi 696, who also has a documentary on Hulu that I refuse to watch because I find him to be a piece of shit. For mm-hmm. those of you guys that don't know who Takashi 696 is, I'm going to be very brief about this because I don't want to give him any airtime, especially not on a, on a queer show. He was in controversy, though, maybe like a year ago. Yes. Yes. He's okay. an asshole. Yes. He is right now. I mean, Takashi 696 is currently being sued by a 13 year old Jane Doe for posting a pornographic video of her online. Great. He has gone to jail. He is affiliated with the 696 blood gang who he allegedly paid to be affiliated with. He was offered witness protection when he came out of prison. He said That's no because right. he was a snitch. The worst. So he has been wildly homophobic and specifically homophobic against what, who I think is just the sweetest little baby on the planet, 
Lil Nas X. And he's been directly targeting Lil Nas X. Direct, directly homophobic, homophobic and had, has made some homophobic comments about him. Sure. What I love about the interwebs is that receipts, baby. Bring receipts. Lil Nas X went on TikTok to show basically unanswered DMs from Takashi 696. And he was asking him like, if he's going to be in town, are you around? And he wrote little Nas X, yo, going to be in your city soon. What you doing? LOL. Followed by a heart and an upside down smiley face, which I love. Nothing says flirty to me like a heart and an upside down happy face. I, and I mean that genuinely seriously. Like that is a flirty-ish emoji combination to use. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And then Takashi 696 went on DJ Academics Instagram the same day to quote, nip this shit in the bud. And he presented his DM history, which showed no chats from Lil Nas X Yeah, because you can forth. delete it. You can delete messages on Instagram easily. Exactly. And so basically they're gone back and forth and everyone's like, why would Lil Nas lie? Like he's probably not lying. And he's certainly not doctoring text messages to like appear like, he, like that just seems no, too much effort. It's you so know? stupid. And right. what I love about Lil Nas X is that he hilariously posted all of these like responses from other homophobic people who tried to say like, remember when the rabbi you talked about said that COVID-19 makes people like getting the vaccine makes the people very gay. scientific opinion of yes, getting, getting the COVID-19 vaccine makes you gay. Yes. He basically like will post all these ridiculous things, but I love Lil Nas X. He is very, very talented, but Takashi 696, who is a fucking rat and the worst I probably would believe Lil Nas X over Takashi 696. And it seems pretty likely that he did that. So I just love the youth showing the receipts. Yep. I love standing up to homophobia, especially in the rap community, because it's so prevalent. And I love the fact that Lil Nas X is a black man, a black queer man being Amen. like, actually, here's what we're not going to do. So that is my cue. And it snaps all the way around. And That's I really a, loved it. That's a great cue. I mean, listen, it's, it's, I think we bring this up a lot with religion where, you know, we're talking about like preaching against homosexuality, but then you find out these priests are having sex with like little boys and here and there and there's there's rampant homophobia. Yet a lot of these men are getting caught in like truck stops, you know, in the glory holes of the United States and getting caught in glory hole. Not for me. Yeah. No, not my favorite hole. Um, and (laughs) it, it happens. I think people, when they look at that, including myself, you look at it as like, it's one particular group, right? It's like overly religious people in the Midwest who might not be as progressive or grew up near a city and stuff, but like, clearly. It's everywhere. Right, it's everywhere and in every type of, of culture, ethnicity, uh, habitat, if you will. And I'm and I'm really proud of, of Lil Nas X. Now, granted, I'm not the type of person to be like, okay, I only believe one side, but it seems pretty obvious to me that Lil Nas X has literally nothing to gain from lying. And Takashi 696 has everything to gain from lying um, in in this. So Liz, I'm glad you brought this to my attention. I am going to be, I'm going to be watching this go down as I watch Welcome to Chechnya. (laughs) Same, same, but different. Perfect perfect combination. That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm consuming all the medias. But uh, today uh, on, on Scissoring Isn't a Thing, we have one of the drunkest guests we've had in a long time. And it's not me or Liz, shockingly, about this, but we definitely make fun of him for this, which is fine. And he admits that he is a little 
loosey-goosey, if you will. And there were some technical issues kind of going about because he couldn't stop walking around. But but this week we have Tom Felicia on. Who, for the first time in my adult professional life, I call the wrong name. Correct. Felicia. No, I think I call it Felicia. I mean, I was oh, yeah, might so have been thrown off. He was like, Felicia. I, I was so embarrassed with myself and it I'm just all saying the time. it. I got to own it. I have never mispronounced a guest of mine's name. You're very lucky. I do it all the time. I'm just bad. Really? Sometimes I feel the pressure. And if it's like, not that Felicia is a hard word, but sometimes I feel the pressure to get the name right. I like fuck myself up over it and I get it wrong. I'd be like, thumb Felicia. Like I would, I would just. Interesting. I, I just, didn't cl- clock that from you. I always thought you were really on the up and up. Well, fuck I it. try to be. We all but make I, mistakes. We do. Uh, this, this, he's good though. He's funny. He's the best. He's the best. He he's, rolls with it. I was mortified and he was very kind to me. He was yes. very kind to us. Very he sweet He seems guy. like the most motherfucking fun on the planet. We definitely want to drink with him after this. We know For that. Sure. We've learned this. But yeah, we hope that you enjoy Tom Felicia's episode of Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Okay, Liz, I mean, let's start off the conversation exactly where we just took off. Is ass bleaching a thing? Uh, People have asked me, I'm sorry, I don't know, is it okay for me to jump in on this one? Yeah, just jump ahead. Before we even introduce you, we want your opinion. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I feel like if you need it, I feel like there's a bigger problem. I feel like that's just putting a Band-Aid. That's like, right? That's like putting a Band-Aid on the real situation, whatever's going on. But I will say that um, I've never done it. I don't think I know anyone who's done it or admitted they've done it. But who is the person that performs this, by the way? What's that person? I think you perform it on yourself. Well, one, I think you can perform it on yourself. This is probably, it's probably the same stuff for like a home perm. You just... Right? That yes. probably does the job. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Okay, well, Tom Flickia is our, is our guest today. You Tom know him Felicia, from, baby. from Queer Eye from the Straight Guy, the OG. Felicia, like the girl. Sorry, Felicia. Felicia. Oh, my God. Felicia. It's my, my apologies. Tom Felicia is our guest today, founder of his own yeah. firm, Tom Felicia Incorporated. Lot, but for different reasons. People, no, I swear to God, when I was in high school, you know, back when there, when the computer was like the size of a Volkswagen, but like when you were doing like your book report or whatever, and you did spell check or whatever, you know, it would suggest that my last name should be Felicio. And I was like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, I like looked around. I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is not cool. (laughs) You're lucky we didn't introduce you as Tom Felicio, but we will now. We will now. You could say Tom Felicia, formerly known as Tom Felicio. <laughs> or soon to be known as Tom Felicio, depending yes, on how this exactly. conversation goes. I mean, well, look, you know, it's, I, you know, I didn't blow these knees out for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I can already um, I can already tell you listeners that this is going to be a fantastic episode today. Yes. Um, yes. I could even I, I would rip through this bio, but I don't even know if I can. Oh, my God. I mean, You've worked with everyone from Delta Airlines to Jennifer Lopez, which we are going to unpack later. You have incredible legacy on queer TV. You are a good friend and colleague of Carson Kressley, who is a friend of the podcast. I am. That crazy queen's one of my besties. (laughs) (laughs) 
that we've be already unpacked Felicio. I call her Mary. And oh, she good. doesn't even do crack, I don't think. But oh. it just feels appropriate. <laughs> oh, okay, Todd. Welcome to scissoring isn't a thing. By the way, I really don't know if scissoring isn't a thing. I swear to God. I'm like single and I feel like it happens sometimes. Thank you, Tom. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's stop. Let's break this down. Are people scissoring in the gay male community, Tom? Well, I just feel like sometimes you end up in a weird position and I look around and I think, this is kind of like scissoring, I guess. (laughs) And it doesn't last for very long because it's just, I think it's a transition moment, but it definitely happens. I don't know. Like, it also depends. Like, some people, you know, like, I, I don't know if you, what your experiences are, but some people are more ergonomic and they're kind of like, you can kind of like connect with them in a very sort of easy sort of, I don't like to word, use the word fluid in this situation because it sounds gross, but in sort of an organic way. And you kind of connect with them and you're like, wow, this is so comfortable. And yet we're incredibly close to each other. Whereas other people, it's like sleeping next to a cinder block. And you're like, okay, that hurts. Ouch. Okay, don't move again. Oh my God, I'm hot. It's like puzzle pieces. Okay, is that your breath or is a dog done? (laughs) (laughs) Some people fit together and some people don't fit together. Yeah, it's just, and I think that sometimes when you fit together, if you're really good at it by accident, you might end up in a scissoring situation. (laughs) I agree, Tom. I agree. Right. I, I don't know if I agree about the ass bleaching, but I definitely yeah. agree with you about I, this. Who agrees about ass bleaching? I don't even think I can't. <laughs> it uh, is first a of thing. All, where do you go to get that? Do they do other things like they do home perms as well? What do they do? What do they do at this ass bleaching emporium? <laughs> I do know one person that bleaches their ass. Okay, so can I ask you a question? Yeah, why? What the fuck does this person eat? (laughs) Like, what does their diet consist of? It's just brownies all the time? No, well, they're a high-end escort. So they're a sex worker. So I think that they prefer... Actually, I know two people. And the other person I know is also a sex worker. She's a porn star. So they bleach their asses. But is the point to bleach your asshole so it matches the rest of your skin tone? yes. Or is it like vaginoplasty and it makes it sort of like appear to be like a younger person's butt? Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it looks just like, it looks more, it looks like it's just sort of more recently out of the gate. (laughs) You know, it just looks like- A fresh asshole, if you will. One that hasn't been banged. It has, right. It's like, you know what I mean? It's bouncy. It's like taking some of the rings off the tree. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my oh, God, a young tree. Don't even, I can't. <laughs> you know, I can't. I have a feeling that we already know the answer to this, but every every week we ask our guests to ask how they identify sexually. Some say a wide-ranging opinion. Would you mind yep. for the audience clarifying? Because I think people are wondering right now, are you straight? Are you gay? I would say, and I don't know, I don't know if everyone that has I don't know if I would call them victims or, but whatever, people that have been intimate with me. I would say, I would say, (laughs) how do I identify sexually? I would say superstar. (laughs) Oh my God. I honestly, this is, I mean, look, if you spell check, my last name is fellatio. Hello. (laughs) I tore my meniscus. I mean, give me a break. Would you say, I'm going to be honest with you. After COVID, I could literally lift a Volkswagen up with my right arm. So I'm like, I get into it. I don't do anything (laughs) half-assed. Just and I didn't half say half-assed just because we're talking about ass bleaching. <laughs> exactly. So you would say you're a superstar? No. I actually think, like, there, I was at, we were talking about this last night with the gays. I said, you know, 
there was this really attractive guy that, I mean, like breathtakingly attractive. And I actually was like, what is this person thinking dating me? I mean, it's just too young, too cute. It didn't make sense. But then I made out with him and I was like, oh my God, he's a terrible at making out. And then it kind of went downhill from there. But the thing is, is that I really think it's like anything. Like if you enjoy the process and you're having fun with it and you can like, you know, there can be moments of fun and, you know, like whatever sort of floats your boat. But the thing is that if you're enjoying the process, it's fun. Right, right. Even when it's like gets a little steamy, but it's like it's still fun and you're kind of enjoying it. I think some people are just, I just don't think they're really putting all of their efforts. <laughs> oh my God. So it's safe to say that so it's safe to say that you identify as a gay male. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Okay. Would you ever describe yourself as queer or do you prefer gay? I go with pickle smoker. So good. <laughs> Good, good, good. Oh my God. That's sort of how I identify. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Me too. No. Me too. Liz, I can um, tell I this is going to be a great interview. A lot. I'm like, oh, I'm gay, but I'm like gay as fuck. But yeah. um, gay no, as no, fuck. I, you know, yeah, I like I, that. I honestly, I mean, I really have to say, maybe because of the world that we live in, I really identify as, I think in my brain, I identify clearly as a gay man. But I think in my day-to-day life, I identify just kind of as like Tom. <laughs> and I think everything that I say and do kind of, it, I'm an open book. So I feel like I don't necessarily feel like I have to like, when someone says to me, like, are you straight or gay? I literally am like, do you have the use of your eyeballs? Like, are, are you, kid? you know you're inside right now? <laughs> have you always been out? No, well- I mean, no, I came out to my parents when I was like 25 and oh. my brother came along with me for moral support and I told my parents I was gay and they said, oh my God, we always thought your brother was gay. And I was like, oh shit. Is he older or younger than you? <laughs> he's older than me. I was like, I thought this was going to be a weird day for me, but it's real weird for you. <laughs> and he's straight and he's totally straight and has a wife and kids. But I mean, he lives in New York City. And he's great, but I think I identified mostly with being, I don't know, I was always like super, I like boys stuff. And then also, I also was super into like architecture and design and all that. But I was really like into like, you know, jumping over anything I could on a bike or I was just like kind of a boy. So I identified definitely as being kind of a boy when I was a kid. And those are the things that I liked that were fun for me. So I did, that was not my confusion at that level. And then when I got older, I realized, I was like, wait a minute. Sometimes at summer camp, when somebody sneaks in like schnapps and then you end up in a sleeping bag with somebody else, it's kind of more fun for me than I think it is for everybody else. Got it. <laughs> got it. Got it. You know it and then you question, you're like, wait a minute, is this just a thing that sometimes boys do? Or is it like, are they gay or am I gay? And you don't know. And you kind of question it because you're like, I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't think I am, but I don't know if I'm not. And then when I was like in college, I was like, you know what? I thought maybe I was, I didn't know. I was like kind of figuring it out. And then I went to Greece for the summer and I came back and I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you see Gary Janetti and Brad Goreski there? Because apparently they also went to Greece and came back gay. I don't know yes. if that's place for it. But it wasn't like I had sex when I was there. I just saw really hot guys left. I'm curious, though, because in your coming out story, you sort of mention 
boy things and these stereotypical male things yeah. jumping over things and bikes. And, you know, one of the things that I like about our podcast is that we lean into stereotypes yeah. and break stereotypes. How important were stereotypes for you in coming out and recognizing that you were gay or not? Is that something that you want to break? Do you lean into stereotypes? I don't think stereotypes are bad if you're looking at them as like a way to understand people as opposed to a way to degrade people. And I just think it's the approach, you know, it's like, I think there's a lot of information there. You know, I've I've talked a lot about with friends, you know, I will say like, this is something I really believe. Like there's a, you know, everyone would say like, oh, you know, you're so creative. And like, that's, have you always been creative? I'm like, I have, I always like, that was kind of where I gravitated towards. But I do think that the sort of world of being creative for a lot of people. And I think in my experience, so I'm using my experience as an example, but when you're a young kid and you see a mom and a dad, but you can also imagine a dad and a dad or a mom and a mom, or you see like the girl that when you're seven years old, like, oh, look how cute they're holding hands. But you can also have that emotional experience with a little boy. And you know that, right? So you understand that. I think when you're young and you have the ability to see the world through two different lenses, because you're seeing what you're being socialized to see, but you're also seeing and feeling what you sort of instinctually feel and want to see. I think that's a a muscle that you exercise. And I think that a lot of creativity is like looking at a house and saying, I can imagine this house, like I see it the way it is, but I can imagine it being another way. So like, think that having that ability to actually see something the way it is, but also imagine it a different way when you're a young person and you're kind of like put into that situation with the world around you, I think it's a muscle that you exercise. So I've often said, do you think that now that there is a, that growing up as a young gay person is going to be different because you see so much of this now that you don't have to imagine it? Do you think that's going to change the way the gay sort of culture sort of embraces the creative world, you know, because do you think it's a muscle that will be less exercised? I don't know. You started out on Queer Eye when queer was a bad term for a gay person. Was there any pushback from calling it that? Yes. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? When I used to try to get furniture from a lot of major retailers, when the show was being made, when we were filming the show before it aired, I would get telephone calls from people who I ended up working with for years and loved what we were doing and loved working with us. But in the beginning, they were like, please do not call us anymore. It's offensive. That's what they would say. Wow. I'm the kind of person that like, if you're insecure about your nose or you're insecure about your hair, if you're the first person to make a joke about it and bring it into the fold, you own it. There's no power in pointing it out. You remove the power away from anybody because you're aware of it, you're making light of it, and you're putting it out there. And it's a way, I think, that you get over it. And it's a way that you take ownership of it. So I think if there's a word that is offensive to you, you own it, you spin it into something that's positive. And you play with it, and you make it, you take its power away. And then when someone comes up to you and says, oh, you're queer, you're like, yeah, 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 you're right. You know, and you take the power away from them. You like laugh. Well, and I think you, I mean, you guys did that with the, I think if Queer Eye didn't exist, I don't actually believe that Queer would have 
such a broad connotation no. now. I think you guys had such a credible 100%. reach. And by the way, speaking of stereotypes, when you look at the original Queer Eye and even now, we were stereotypes. You know, Carson was sort of the flamboyant, you know, hilarious, super fun, very smart, over the top, great guy, right? That's that's Carson. You know, Jay had his sort of like theater world and he was doing his thing. And like, Ted was kind of the earnest, you know, like, hi, I'm Ted Allen. And, you know, and I'm going to help you do something really smart and interesting, you know? And Kyan was sort of that smoking hot, you know, like guy that works in a hair salon, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just sort of like that probably gay kid that most people were friends. I was in a fraternity and I was like, you know what I mean? It was like, I was like that gay guy. I was the gay guy that was like doing that sort of thing where most of my friends were straight. And it was like, I was in that world. So they played on our stereotypes because what they were basically saying is, look, we come in all shapes and sizes. We come in all colors. And there's like something for everybody. You know, it's like, I may not be the answer for someone to be friends with, but Ted might be or vice versa. And I think that that's okay. Like I have no problem with, I always say like, I was making a joke with a friend of mine. He's like kind of a super high-end florist. And I said, I don't think you and I are really breaking any stereotypes. I'm an interior designer and you're a florist. You know, we kind of laughed about it. But the thing is, is that I think I say that not because I'm embarrassed. I say that because I recognize the stereotype and I embrace it and I don't have a problem with it. And by doing that, I think that it sends a message to the world and certainly to young people, whether they're gay or straight, that you kind of just kind of need to do what you want to do and be an awesome person. And again, enjoy the process, most importantly. What do you think about the younger generation now? I think it's really interesting that their world is so fluid and I think they can take their favorite things of being a man or a woman, and they can take their favorite things of being straight or gay, and they can take their favorite things of being creative or business-minded, and they can whatever, and they can sort of make their own sort of combination. And I think it really gives them an opportunity to really even be that much more authentic if they approach it that way. And I also wonder if having all of those options is sometimes overwhelming. I don't know. I, I, it was easier for me as a kid because I had very distinct likes. I mean, I was like, I loved downhill skiing. I loved water skiing. I loved, like, there were things that I just loved to do. I loved being on a boat. And so I just, there were things that I just really loved and I knew what I loved. You mentioned when you were kind of talking about growing up that you were in a fraternity. What was yep. that experience like? Because it sounds like you came out at 25. So maybe when you were in the fraternity, you weren't quite out yet. I, you know, I came out to my fraternity brothers and uh, some of my very close girlfriends and at that in college. So I did come out to them. For me, it was like I, I was in the art school. Where did you um, go to school? I went to Syracuse University and I was in the art school. So I had the whole art school world and I would go to all the art school parties off. You know, they were like it was like totally different. And, and I think I'm like that as an adult. I love having a diverse group of people around me. You know, when we were shooting Queer Eye the network came to us and said, we want you to do a fraternity house in Texas. And the guys were like, no, we don't want to do it. We, and we, we, we were talking about it. They said, we don't want to do it because fraternities have like historically not been really great to the gay community. And I said to them, I was like, guys, I, I was in a fraternity. They're not like that. Like maybe they were historically, but they're not like that. And 
by the way, it's like, why aren't we the ones to challenge that? And let's see what it is. Like the only way we can do that, like you're basing that on something that you've heard. Or I said, did you ever, have you ever scratched the surface? And they were like, no. I said, let's give them the same benefit of the doubt that they're willing to give us. And they're inviting us into their world. And so we decided to do it. Every one of us left with literally one of the best experiences. I felt so good that when we left, because I encouraged it, that they all were like, oh my God, this was awesome. It was great. The world is different. And I said, like, look, if you don't want people to judge you for being historically the way they think you are, I think the most important move you can make is to offer that to everyone else. You have to lead by example. And and it was a great experience. I'm curious, like, because, you know, I agree with you. And for me, like, I'm not scared of stereotypes. Like, I'm not scared of words. Like, I feel like I embrace them. But sometimes in this kind of new generation of LGBTQ+, plus, you know, there's a lot of policing that goes on within our community about, yes. you know, you got to be the right type of lesbian, the right type of bisexual. Liz and I talk about this all the time. Do you feel like you have to be the this gay beacon for this younger generation? Do you feel like maybe the younger generation is a little bit too sensitive about these things because there's so many things you can be now? I definitely think, you know, there's a different vibe that's happening. I think when you're about... 30 years old, you kind of start to know who you really are. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of my, been my experience. And it's kind of what I see even with my younger friends or people that I work with. And I think that all of the things that I think are becoming so precious, you know, like things that are getting precious where it's like, you have to be this and you can't be that. And you have to be called this. And this is the way it is. You can't say that. It's just very precious. And I'm like, I'm just not a precious person and I don't really like other precious people. You know, how do that- you, how do you find that? I mean, obviously you've worked with the biggest brands literally yep. in the world and your in your professional life, but you've also worked with some of the largest celebrities while also being a celebrity yourself. How do you sometimes handle celebrity? Cl- I mean, you're in their home, you're designing their space, right? Okay. So I how will do you, you handle things. the preciousness there sometimes? Good question. Well, they're not all precious. They're not all. It's not, it's not like a, you know, it's not a unilateral sort of like all celebrities are precious. Sure. You know, it's like, it's just like anybody. It's like, there's great celebrities or nice celebrities. And there's fabulous celebrities that are just cool and down to earth and easy and just really grounded. So it's like some, some of my friends would love the precious celebrity and some of my friends and myself, I don't love that person. That's not my style of a human. I can work with them. I just wouldn't choose to hang out with them. But I think part of what works for me with that world is that, and I think Tina Fey said this to me once, she was like, you know, you're very easy and down to earth and you're approachable and you're not kind of caught up in all of the, me being a celebrity, you having some celebrity, whatever. She was like, you know, you just, you're just kind of a real person. And I think sometimes when people work for famous people, they are like, they treat them differently and they feel it. And I think if you're lucky enough to either have been around people that are very well-known or you work in that industry or you're a person that's very well-known, you're comfortable with it. And I think they appreciate, people appreciate easiness and comfortable. Now, of course, you get some of the douchebag celebrities that just want like sycophiles to be like, I love you. But, um, <laughs> but that's just, you know, that's a personality thing. And I, and I have to say that 
I generally love people that are just like super comfortable in their skin. And I think that's the most important gift you could give your dog, your cat, your best friend, your child, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It's like, be comfortable in your skin. My God, it's just like, that to me is such a sign of success. When you're comfortable in your skin, you walk into a party, everybody wants to hang out with you because you're just like an interesting vessel. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm moving on. It's a thing. It's not really a thing. I don't know. It's like scissoring. (laughs) Um, I I, I always say you have to say I before you can say I love you, Tom. And I think that's what it is. You have to love yourself before you can kind of give anything to anyone else. And it's it exudes you. Like I literally sometimes I'm my best audience. I'm gonna be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, you're we're really enjoying it. So. Hi guys, I'm Heather Thompson, host of In My Heart podcast. In My Heart started with the concept of conversations with friends, experts, learning more, encouraging independent thinking, and digging deeper into topics to inspire new perspectives. My vision and mantra for life is finding my freedoms and following what drives my light, energy, and happiness and allows me to shine. I really want that for you too. Please join me each week as I speak to old friends and new about all of the things in my heart, our experiences, and how we find our freedoms together. New episodes come out weekly, every Tuesday, wherever you stream your podcasts. See you then. We want to have a little fun with you to end this podcast. We we do a little fun rapid fire game at the end of the show called Scissor Me This. And Liz, I'm going to tee you up to give I'm cross my legs for I'm gonna scissor myself right now. Scissor oh, yourself scissor. here, Tom. I'm, I'm not doing anything inappropriate, but I'm thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's right. That's what we like. Go ahead, Liz. I Tita. love it. Rub those legs like a little cricket. Just get yeah. it going. Uh, there he goes. Ooh, I'm doing my gym stuff. I look like a weirdo. Anyway, no, you no, look, you look handsome. Let me tell you. Okay, what is the biggest design mistake that all people make in their home? Uh, I would say a not listening to their designer and b. Don't wimp out on one of your dreams. Like, don't, like, if you're, if you want that oxblood red kitchen, that's awesome. But we're going to do it in beige or gray or white just because we just, you know, we just, we're like, we think it's too much. You know, like, live your best situation, have fun with it. There's a great way, there's a great solution to make what you really want happen in a way that's fabulous. Love that advice. Would you rather live in a house with a gorgeous kitchen? but a terrible bathroom or a terrible kitchen, but a gorgeous bathroom. I will tell you as a practical person, I would choose the gorgeous kitchen because the kitchen, if they said to me, the kitchen is like, we're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars for a gorgeous kitchen. A bathroom I could squeak out for like 50,000. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go with the gorgeous kitchen just because I feel like I can make your dreams come it's a money, it's a money game. Okay, but I will tell you, I think having that sanctuary, that place that you go to your, that suite that you call, I don't even see it as just a bathroom. I see it as like a suite, like your bedroom, bathroom, dressing area for me is the place that kind of is like, you kind of close the door there and it's really like your sanctuary. It's kind of where you recharge your batteries. So I think there's something really kind of wonderful about that. I will say during COVID, I think everyone has realized that like, to let you feel like somebody gorilla glued your feet to the kitchen. 
And so everybody wants a fabulous kitchen right now. So I would say, look, it's a hard choice. I think you just have to look at your lifestyle. You know, they're important spaces. All right. Jennifer Lopez, we know you worked with her. Uh, She's hot topic as she sang yeah. at the inauguration i thought she did such a great job she did she, she did great. and she looked i mean the look was uh, amazing but you now have to pick one and only j-lo yes. song you have to pick one that you would own that you would hear in the gay club in the abbey when you visit la forever jenny from the block i'm real or waiting for tonight i have no idea one of her songs <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea that's the answer. I, Thank you, Darren. Honestly, <laughs> I don't even know sometimes when I hear her song that it's her singing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was never, that her genre is not my genre. You're a terrible gay. No, no, but the music I like, if you want to hear it, you can go to Hipster Barbecue on Pandora or uh, Spotify. I'm not your typical gay guy music. I love Neil Young. I like, I love I Neil, Neil Young, Young was my first dance with my wife. Harvest nice. Moon. Harvest Moon. Moon. That's going to be my favorite. I love, I love that. that. <laughs> well, people often say that my music's like, they say, you're the lesbian taste of music. And I'm like, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you yes. do, apparently. Fucking yeah, queers. you do. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking queers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom. All right, Tom. I got one for you. Fuck, Mary okay. kill. Carson Kressley, Jonathan Van Ness, or Karamo Brown? Kill Karamo Brown. <laughs> he has a cape. I mean, give me a yeah. break. I mean, I love him, but girl, I kill. I mean, just a cape. Jesus Christ! I mean, I'm gay as hell, but I do not have a cape yet. But anyways, well, I wouldn't fuck Carson just because we're such good friends. It would be awkward. So I'm gonna say I don't even know who that other person is, but I would say fuck that person just because that would be like just like a hookup in a bar. And I'd be like, yeah, it was great. Here's my number. And then I I would marry Carson because he's hilarious and we would have so much fun together. (laughs) You're killing this game. Tom's killing this game. We got one more each. One more each. Go ahead, Liz. (laughs) I was going to say that was a hard one to follow. Okay. We know know that you mentioned you love downhill skiing. You love water skiing. But if you had to pick only one season, endless summer or forever winter? Oh my God, I'm going to cry because I'm my favorite thing in the world. I'm, I love the snow and I love skiing. But if I had to choose endless summer or endless winter, I think I would choose endless summer. Yeah, Because duh. I just feel like there's like, I love to ski, but I mean, you know, after a week in Colorado, I'm like, wrap it up, people, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we're done. You're like, Back to Greece. Yeah, that's We're right. Back yeah, to yeah. Greece, so folks. I would go with endless summer. And also, you know what? I do love being on a boat. I'm a big boater, and I love being on a boat. I feel the same way when I'm on a boat that when I'm on my skis. Those are my two happiest moments, like sort of personal happiest, like when I'm just me. It's like sort of when I look around and I just think, how incredibly beautiful is this when I look out at the top of the mountain and I'm about to go down? Uh, the hill, I mean. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, sure Tom. I'm not sure. making money at the top of the mountain. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, but I also feel the same way when I'm in the back of my boat and I'm swimming and the dogs are in the boat and I'm just like, oh my God, this is a slice of heaven. So I would say in the summer. Okay, one last would you rather. Would you rather get a DM, a direct message in your Instagram, 
with a yes. perfect looking dick, but in the worst background room you've ever seen. It's like disgusting or yes. a meh kind of shitty dick pic in no, a gorgeous. No, forget the Sorry, no shitty dicks. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care how pretty the backdrop is. A shitty dick is a shitty dick. Shitty dick. <laughs> you know what? You can always get new curtains and you reupholster that sofa, but you know what? Yo, dick is yo dick. <laughs> As a lesbian, I can say, you know, an hour with Tom Felicia, I have learned that a shitty dick is just a shitty dick. And you know what? That's a good life lesson, Tom. And That's the a only thing lesson. worse than a shitty dick is when it's attached to a shitty dick. <laughs> <laughs> You never know what you need God. until you get it. And exactly. this has been that hour for me. This yes, is what I needed well. in my life. That is, is it. Well. You guys are awesome. No, thank you are you. awesome. You are awesome. We love you. We wish we were having champagne you are- with you right now. I well, that thank was you. Just gonna say, I'm when this whole God forsaking mess is over, we're doing yes. this. You, me, Carson, the whole Let's crew. Do it. We would Let's love do it. it. We're weeks away. We're weeks away, right? I mean, I'm optimistic. Yeah, we're sure. definitely not. But we'll, yeah. and then you know who we'll also <laughs> throw into the mix? We'll bring in that crazy ass Renee Stubbs. She's yeah, the that's best. Right. I love it. She's- I love it. I promise I'm not going to kill Karamo. I love him. No, don't worry. We'll <laughs> invite Karamo. No more capes. I'm just like, this is, I'm just, this is a plea to the gay community. Enough with the capes. <laughs> it's not fucking Halloween, people. Oh, God, I absolutely love it. No you more capes. One night a year you can wear a cape. That's it. <laughs> That's so great. Tom, where can people follow you on social media? I'll go to your, if they want to book you, where can people get you? At Tom Felicia. Uh, I have an Instagram thing I do on Wednesdays at 1 o'clock. It's called uh, House Calls. I don't know. If you go to Sedgwick and Brattle, you, I think when you go to at Tom, at Tom Felicia, It'll, you can go to Sedgwick and Brattle, you can go to Tom Felicia Inc. portfolios, all that kind of stuff. And kind of what we're doing, what we're working on, all of our initiatives or all of our new furniture and launches and new like licensed relationships and all that. And we have something coming out on E this month, which will be really fun that Carson and I and Jay and we all did, which was fun. Ooh, fun. The and um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, we got some- I know what it is. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. I know what you it are. is. You are? Yeah, it'll be yes. fun. I'm excited to see it. I'm also like worried. I was like, oh my God. I don't remember <laughs> being sober at any point during any of it. They said that's, they didn't want the me to drive. And I was like, that's good news to me. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, we absolutely on. fucking love we you. We love you. Come back You're anytime. The You're the absolutely. best. I would love to do it. You guys, this is a real treat. Thank, Thank you, Tom. You so Thanks much. for your time. We Bye, appreciate girls. it. Bye. Bye. And everyone, you can follow us at SIAT Podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, send a dick pic to Tom Felicia, I guess, but only if it's a good dick pic. Uh, that's it I'm for dead. today. Liz, that was dead. it. I'm dead. I don't I'm even, done. I- I need a glass of champagne. I need to rethink my bathroom kitchen now. Um, (laughs) You know, it was a great episode, guys. We love you. I'm actually about to go to my kitchen and paint an ox blood. So I got to get my shit together. There we go. Please send me a picture. And guys, uh, we will see you next week with more Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.